Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. We are taking a small hiatus to regroup around some exciting things that will be coming to all of you very, very soon. In the meantime, we will be re-airing some of our favorite interviews with our favorite badass women just in time for Women's History Month. As always, you can find us on our website at workerbeing.com. You can email us, contact at workerbeing.com, and you can join our brand new community to have deeper conversations about workplace wellness at workerbeing.com slash community. Enjoy the awesome interviews we have scheduled for you, and we'll talk to you all soon. Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, we are super excited to be joined by Dr. Allison Gabriel, who is an Associate Professor of Management and Organizations and a Robbins Fellow at the Eller College of Management at the University of Arizona. So she's going to be talking about her research, um, and we have... We have a deep connection with Allie because she overlapped with us at Penn State for a little bit. So we got to know her there. Welcome, Allie. We're so happy to have you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This will be fun. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, we'd love to hear, you know, we gave our little spiel introduction of you, but um, let us know about your background and what you're excited to talk about today. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, we overlapped at Penn State. So I did my undergraduate psychology degree at Penn State. Graduated in 2008. I thought I was going to go to a law school for a while until I started working with uh, (laughs) Alicia Grandy, who was my honors undergraduate advisor at Penn State. And she kind of nudged me a little bit and said, you know, you seem pretty excited about research. Why don't you consider getting your PhD in industrial organizational psychology? Uh, And so I I applied to PhD programs kind of on a whim, like I didn't think I was going to get into any and just had in my head like, okay, I'll try this out and we'll see what happens. Um, I ended up getting into the PhD program at the University of Akron and got connected with Jim Diefendorf, which was great because he and Alicia have close personal ties. They do similar research. They've done research together. Uh, And so it ended up just being this really positive transition for me and then really good experience. And so when I was in graduate school, I was mostly focusing on how people regulate their emotions in the workplace. So how people deal with hostile customers, how they regulate their reactions to that experience and how that affects their well-being. Um, And then since graduating from Akron in 2013, I would say that my interests have evolved from there, kind of dramatically, some might say. Um, So I'm still interested in people's emotional experiences, but now I'm starting to focus more on questions surrounding, um, lately it's been a lot of issues pertaining to women's experiences in the workplace, uh, and in particular women's health experiences in the workplace. So understanding how things like breastfeeding and how women bring that into the workplace, uh, menstruation, how that necessarily enters the workplace, um, how that affects their mood on a day-to-day basis and how that relates to a variety of behaviors and kind of well-being outcomes that we care about. Uh, And so, yeah, so in some ways, I feel like my current research looks nothing like what I actually went to my graduate program to do, but I think that's okay. (laughs) I think that's kind of the natural uh, evolution sometimes that happens in our work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're all really grateful that you decided to pursue this path because uh, you've made such awesome strides in moving our thinking forward in the field in a variety of different areas. But uh, your newer work is uh, something that really caught our eye uh, recently. And so we're curious to learn more about how you decided to focus on research in some of the areas that you just mentioned around breastfeeding and menstruation and what made you feel that these topics were important to explore. Yeah. So the, the breastfeeding research actually came out. And so this was a project that we started about three years ago now. So that shows you how long we've been kind of cooking this up. So three years ago now. Um, and what happened was I, uh, lately it seems like a lot of my research is just getting driven out of personal experiences either that I have or people very close to me have. Um, and so we had a really close friend visiting us in Tucson. Um, and my deal to like bribe people from the East Coast to come visit us in Tucson is that like, I will take you to the spa for the day. So if either of you want to come to Tucson, I will take you to the spa for the day. I'm <laughs> um, pretty close. I might take Yeah, 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 yeah. Hop in the car. <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, and so my girlfriend um, and, you know, her husband and their two kids came out and the youngest was eight months old. And so we, I kept true to my word. We went to the spa for the day and we were... Um, sitting in one of the pools outside and it was beautiful and i noticed that she was starting to look uncomfortable and kind of looking around and i asked if she was okay and she's like oh no i'm fine i'm just you know i need to go pump breast milk and i'm trying to figure out where i want to go do that and i was like well we're in this beautiful place let's just flag you know somebody down and i'm sure they have space and her response was like oh no don't worry like i'm just gonna go sit in the bathroom stall and she left and i just sat there mulling this over, like incredibly bothered by this, that we were in this, you know, really nice resort. Uh, and my friend was sitting in a bathroom stall pumping breast milk. And so when she came back, um, you know, I was like, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm really upset that you just had to do that. And she was like, you know, this is, this is fine. Like these are nice bathrooms, but you should hear what I have to deal with when I try to figure this out at work. Uh, and so we started talking about her experience uh, and the challenges she was facing and why she was continuing to do this, even though she was facing these challenges. And then like immediately, right, my organizational like psychologist brain is just turning like, whoa, like this sounds like something that could be really important to study. And I wonder if anybody is. And naturally, like, what do I do? I'm like online that night until like the wee hours of the morning on Google Scholar Googling like breastfeeding <laughs> at work. Find that some people are some people are researching it, but they were all mostly researching it from the viewpoint of what practices exist in organizations to facilitate breastfeeding. But there was nothing from the perspective of, well, what about the women themselves and what they're experiencing? Um, and that just really struck me that we have, you know, half of the workforce women. Uh, a lot of women are going to be having children. They're going to be re-entering the workforce postpartum. Uh, and some of them are going to make the choice to breastfeed or pump breast milk. And we don't really have a good understanding of what their experiences are like, so we can make this better. Um, and so that was really kind of the, the thing that started bothering me. Uh, and from there, I had sent a text message to Sabrina Volpone, who's a, a co-author on this project. And I said, you know, this might be crazy, but like, have you ever thought of a breastfeeding study? And she sent me a text right away saying that she literally had a post-it on her computer saying like breastfeeding study question mark. Uh, and that's quite literally where this started was just us being like, okay, let's, let's like really go for this and do it. Um, 
yeah and so the project just evolved over time it's a combination study that i'm really proud of because it's qualitative interviews with 38 women who really just kind of poured their hearts out talking about their day-to-day experiences like the good and the bad and everything in between um and then from there we kind of developed out you know this theoretical model these ideas that we wanted to test and to do that we have two experience sampling studies. So we tracked uh, women, upwards of 200 women. Um, you know, in one study, it was around 118 for 10 days, and the other it was 106 for 15 days to understand, you know, what does it look like when breastfeeding goes well day to day? What does it look like when it goes poorly? Um, and then how does that affect their ability to be productive at work? And then the thing that we really wanted to do was actually correlate this with how much breast milk they could report, they could uh, produce at work. So to tell the full story, that it's not just a worker productivity story, it's a health and well-being story in every sense of the word. So yeah, that's a very long answer for how we got interested in this uh, and how this, uh, how this project originated that I'm really excited about. No, that's that's a great story. And I think it's very relevant and probably very relevant to a lot of our listeners You know, that have either experienced it or have heard similar stories from their friends and family members. Um, at my organization, we travel for work a lot. And so I've had a lot of stories that I've heard from friends of mine that, you know, after giving birth, they come back from leave, they now have to travel. And we're pretty accommodating of trying to reduce the amount of travel people have to do while they're um, still breastfeeding and really early in their child's life. But it happens. And I think that's a very... Um, unique experience that they're having because there's airports, there's hotels, there's, you know, company offices for clients that they don't know. There's all these other factors that come into play. So I think that there's just a lot of complexity and I'm really excited that you guys are diving into this topic and figuring out what works well, what doesn't work well. And I'm sure there's plenty of follow on ideas Mm -hmm. that you have. Um, But I would love to hear from you a little bit about the findings. So what what are the findings that you're seeing? Yeah, so as you might expect, one of the big findings was that women did report instances at their work where breastfeeding and work were just interfering with each other. So the fact that, you know, they had to put their work down and go pump because, you know, the thing that makes this family experience so unique compared to other potential family experiences is that you can't ignore this. You know, you you likely can't ignore a lot of family experiences, but you particularly can't ignore this one, biologically speaking. It begins to cause pain. Uh, There's a time frame on this. And so women would describe how they would be in the middle of surgeries or important client, client meetings or on a call. And all of a sudden they'd have to figure out ways to exit and go pump breast milk. And so when work and family were viewed in the sense of kind of interfering with each other, women then reported, you know, feeling more depressed moods while they were at work. And that related to lower levels of progress on goals that they wanted to make that day at work. And then that also related to lower levels of breast milk they reported producing that day at work. So we actually had them uh, track throughout the day for us how much breast milk they wanted to produce and then how much they actually did. So we could get that change. And so we, you know, found this negative side, but then what was really interesting was that we also found instances where these things were enriching. So when women felt like breastfeeding at work or pumping at work was going well for them. So they found that it was really empowering, that they were getting a lot of success and feelings of accomplishment. Those effects reversed. So it improved their moods. They felt less depressed. They also felt more kind of calm and content with their work um, and how they were feeling. 
And then we saw the reverse effects where their work while progress would go up and their breast milk production would go up. Uh, and so to me, it kind of tells this whole story of, yeah, it can be really challenging, but it can also go really well. And it then allows them to succeed in all aspects of their affective well-being, how productive they are, and then their ability to provide food for their children. And so for us, it really tells the story of, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could kind of get out of women's ways in organizations or create structures that allow them to experience that success and accomplishment to then have this great positive spillover to all these other important domains? Yeah, I think that those findings are really awesome. And for our listeners out there, we've talked about experience sampling methodology before, but for folks that are not familiar, basically they followed people over the course of a day uh, and asked them questions during the day to see how that predicted their moods either was it during the day or the next morning uh, it was all during the day so they did three surveys a day cool. for again the study that's in the main part of the paper is 15 work days but then we actually have a an appendix uh, where we kind of replicate all the main effects and that was 10 days so yeah we were we were really wow. carefully trying to track people to really understand you know how are you feeling particularly in the morning which seemed to be when women who were breastfeeding said that that was kind of the most chaotic for them. They're transitioning back into work. They definitely have to pump when they get into the office. And then, you know, think about your typical work day. You turn on your computer and it's just this influx of emails and meetings and appointments and things just get going. And that seemed to be when a lot of strain was happening for people. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's it makes so much sense. Right. Um, and you use this really rigorous design to make sure that the findings that uh, you have are, are not only replicated, but also you're, you know, doing your best to make sure that what you're predicting is predicting those things in real time, which I think uh, from the perspective of our listeners, just to know that that's an extremely rigorous way of testing this. But also I'm curious because, um, you know, this is a topic area that clearly has implications for wellness and uh, employees might want to bring that back uh, to their employer. But what have been some of the reactions that you've had to doing this kind of work? Because um, I know uh, in our field and in other fields that have been more traditionally rooted, um, it can be difficult to sort of do groundbreaking work like this. And I would assume that some folks might feel like uh, bringing this back to their employer if they're in a more traditional setting, uh, it might be challenging. So how have you kind of faced those challenges challenges in uh, kind of trying to change those dominant narratives and what kind of pushback are you getting and how are you kind of fighting against that if you are getting it? Yeah, so I think now that the findings are out, we've had luckily, the reaction has been largely positive. When we were first starting to do this work, it was really interesting because I was starting to, you know, pitch this idea loosely just to kind of gauge what people thought, because obviously I was aware uh, that it was risky, right? You know, there's safety in doing safe research. And I was kind of not wanting to do that. So I knew there was going to be a risk. And I remember when I first started to describe it, um, and I was talking, we already had some of these preliminary findings, the breast milk production outcome was one of the first that popped up. Um, and that was the one we were most interested in. And I remember telling um, a colleague in the field, you know, not here at Arizona, but out in the field about this. And the reaction I got was, oh, that's cool, but you know, that's not really an organizational outcome. So I'm not sure like our management journals would really care. And that really uh, just <laughs> irked me to no end. And so we kind of joke that like we have this work productivity variable in this paper, not because it's not important, but we did have this concern of like, oh, if we don't have something that sounds like a work outcome, 
will people care? Um, is it not enough to just say that we should care about women's holistic well-being at work? And part of that is caring for them when they are going through this really difficult period of trying to pump breast milk at work. Um, and so that was some of the immediate reaction that we got. And then luckily, once we, you know, started workshopping this paper around, we were presenting this around at conferences and other schools for about two years, um, which is a really long time now that I think about that. <laughs> It was two long years. Um, and <laughs> the reaction started to turn, I, I would say, more emotional in some ways. So I don't think I've done any research before where we have, I've had so many people come up to me or send me emails or talk to me after a presentation and say like that, like that model is literally what my life looked like when I was going through this moment in time. Um, and so the fact that we're doing something, you know, obviously, I think theoretically, you know, we're contributing to research that looks at work and family and how those intersect, but to do something that I think really speaks to what women are going through day to day is really, really impactful. I know that our Harvard Business Review piece um, on this is getting circulated in like breastfeeding support groups online. I had a friend in Philadelphia uh, text me two nights ago saying that her support group got a hold of the HBR piece and it's in their group now and they're talking about it at their meetings. Like that to me is better than like any other possible reaction we could be getting. That it's actually getting to the hands of people who could use this research. Um, I would say maybe one of the <laughs> more interesting takeaways that we've gotten from this is uh, uh, someone suggested that, you know, our conclusions basically say that like, we don't say this, but their their takeaway was that our conclusion suggests that like women should just work from home and that will make it all easy. And I'm like, that's that's also not helpful because now what you're saying is that to allow women to successfully navigate work and their family lives and their breastfeeding, we basically have to relegate them to home and they need to work from home and telecommute and engage in flex time. And that's the only option. And I just have to think that we are better than that in organizations that we can, you know, create enough flexibility um, to allow women to navigate these successfully. So luckily right now, like I said, the, the feedback has been positive. And the thing that we like to remind people is, you know, we, we did have questions about like the space that women are pumping breast milk in. And that's certainly a, a correlate of what we're talking about here. But really, it's just about people kind of getting out of women's ways and being supportive and not talking about pumping as a break that women get to take um, and just allowing them to have the moments they need to do this. That's all it takes. Um, it doesn't need to be, you know, the nicest room in the block, although that would be nice. Um, it just needs to be creating structures where women feel like they can take the time they need to do this and then get back to work, which is what they all wanted to do. They wanted to make sure they were still successful at work as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's great that people are having these positive reactions now, and I'm not surprised to hear that people had some questions and qualms at first, unsure as to how this is going to work. And while unfortunate, I do think the fact that you were able to put in a productivity mm -hmm. metric in it really helps because I think that's going to help people take this away. Like they can now, you know, we I we agree. Like I would love to see people caring about this because you have humans at your work that need these 
things, right, that need to be cared about and need to be supported um, because they're people and we should care about them. Right. But that's never the reality or very rarely the reality. So I think it's great that now there's also this other metric. So not only do we care about wellness, but now if I need this support or think this is important, I want to bring this to my organization, I can back it up and give the business reason too. So it's both kind of coupled together, which uh, Katina and I talk about this all the time when we're doing our show or writing in our on our website is where we talk about the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. not only is it good for wellness, but it's good for business. So I think that we have to make those connections. And so I'm really pleased to see that that you were able to do that. Yeah. And what's really interesting, so I, I mentioned we had women track how long they were pumping during the day. And the average ended up being about 45 minutes over two or three pumping sessions. And if you look at that variable, um, it has no relationship with their work productivity or their goal progress that day. So the relationship is almost zero. Uh, And so you can't even argue that, oh, women, right? Because that's the argument we hear sometimes is that, well, this is problematic because women are taking time away from work And that means that's just, you know, less time they can be productive. And we didn't see that. And so instead, what it suggests is let women take the time they need to do this. And if that experience is positive for them, you know, if they feel like, okay, like I was able to take these 15, 20 minutes, that was good. No one interrupted me. Nobody bothered me. No one made comments about that experience. This is just a positive thing that I got to do they're going to come back feeling better about their experience at work that day. And then that's going to spill over and get all those awesome gains that you were just talking about. So yeah, it started as this like ancillary thing we included. um, But the fact that we can show like, yep, it it doesn't matter that they're spending, you know, 45 minutes of their workday doing this, that wasn't related to the amount of productivity they reported at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's always really important because when it comes to any kind of work family intervention, flexible schedules or anything, when you're trying to introduce that into a more traditional work setting, for some reason, the assumption is always that people are trying to get away with something. Right. They want to spend time not doing what they're doing. And I think largely the work family literature has shown that, you know, people are not trying to get out of stuff. They're just trying to arrange their life in a way that makes sense. And if people care about their jobs, they're going to care about it regardless of what other things are um, happening at the same time time. So if you care about something, you'll find a way to get it done. And in fact, what you're demonstrating is that this actually helps motivate you towards, even though you didn't measure motivation, but this actually helps Mm -hmm. you to feel better and do better, um, actively helps you to feel better and do better to be able to, uh, you know, get that taken care of in a, in a positive way, um, which is awesome. So I'm curious to hear, um, I think, uh, it makes sense to kind of start with leaders and employers Based on the findings of your study, if there are people who are listening that manage teams or have a leadership position in an organization, what are some things that your findings would suggest that they do in order to craft a more inclusive environment for mothers? Yeah, well, I I think first thing, so we did have in the paper some other kind of broader features surrounding breastfeeding experiences. And a couple of those were whether women felt like they were being stigmatized by their coworkers for this choice to breastfeed or whether they felt like they were receiving compassionate displays from people. And those things definitely correlate with how good or bad they feel on a day-to-day basis. And so I think at the most practical level, like the number one thing we kept hearing come up over and over again in the interviews when women talked about their negative experiences was how 
kind of hurt and stigmatized they felt when people would talk about their time spent pumping as a break from work. Um, and, you know, they would all tell these anecdotes of like, yeah, like that's not the break I would pick. Like, <laughs> this is not a work break mm-hmm. to go sit and recover. Um, this is something that I am trying to do. And it's biologically, physiologically like, very stressful to go through this and try to be successful at it. So I think it's all about having conversations of why are we supporting this? Well, we're supporting this because we should care about our employees holistically, right? We should care about who they are in the workplace, but we should care about who they are outside of the workplace. And for this period of time, be it three months, six months, nine months, 18 months, whatever it ends up being, um, this is a part of who they are. And so we should be supportive of that. This is not time off. Um, this is not you know, an additional break that other people should feel like they're being slighted by. I think just making that small change would start to have a huge impact in how people start to talk about it. The other piece we did measure was uh, just breastfeeding compassion. So compassionate displays of you know how women were being assisted by their coworkers um, and that made them feel better. And so, you know, just recognizing, I think the challenges that women are going through to do this successfully, um, that can make a huge difference. Uh, this actually, the next project we're working on out of this research that Sabrina Volpone is leading um, is all about these different types of support that I'm describing here. So we caught some inklings in the paper that we published that these variables would matter. And so now what we're trying to do is basically stack them up against each other. So things like formal organizational policies, the climate in the organization surrounding breastfeeding, social support, just kind of safety and being able to talk about these issues. How do those all stack up? Uh, to predict whether women feel like they can keep their work and kind of family goals in balance with each other. But yeah, let's let's stop talking about these things as breaks. <laughs> let's, you know, start giving women the flexibility <laughs> that they need. Um, and yeah, it also wouldn't hurt if we could stop having women go do this in the basement uh, broom closet, which is something we heard <laughs> quite a few times was that the space being allocated would be in these places that were either really far away or uh, in really, really egregious, gross places, for lack of a a better word there. Um, And so I think if people can just be supportive, whether it's lending an office or, you know, a meeting space for a little while, um, and again, just allowing women to have the flexibility, that's really the biggest takeaway that kept popping out to us in the results of, wow, we just need to get out of the way and let women feel successful and feel like they have control over this experience that they're going through that otherwise can feel very unwieldy. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that there's a lot that leadership and management can do to influence that acceptance and um, support. Mm-hmm. And But it also sounds like employees, peers yeah. can do the same thing and not make sure they're not saying things about it being a break and you know showing that compassion and that consideration. Um, what else can employees do both to help support others, but also if you're an employee that's breastfeeding, what would you recommend? Is there anything that they can do to try to help their situation if they have any leverage? Yeah, and that's the hardest thing because we would hear, especially from women in our interviews saying, you know, they don't necessarily have a lot of status in their job. So they felt like, you know, they maybe didn't have as much power. Um, What I think one big takeaway that kept coming up in the interviews, though, was uh, women talking about how the breastfeeding or pumping women before them helped pave the way. Um, And so being a person in the organization to kind of stand up and advocate and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. Right? There's so much research out there around 
the health benefits, of course, to the mother and the baby, but then organizations save money too in healthcare expenditures because they have healthier mothers and then they have healthier babies who are likely on their mother's insurance plans. So it really covers the whole gamut. Um, and so, you know, speaking up and saying, you know, here's what I need, here's what I'm hoping you can be able to provide me. Um, being the first person to do that may be difficult, but that will not only improve, hopefully, that woman's experience, but the women that are coming after them. Uh, and so it was really, really cool for us in the interviews to just hear women talk about kind of the the tribe they had in their organizations of other women who had also pumped or they were currently pumping and they would all be kind of in the trenches together talking about strategies and sharing their experiences and advocating for each other. Um, I, I, we're hoping that our research hope research helps women feel more empowered, like they can go to their employers or their managers and say, you know what, um, this is why I want to do this. This is important to me. Um, and good news, if you do this, like, I think it's going to make me feel better and I'll be more productive. I'm going to be healthier at work. And, you know, the healthcare costs will probably go down, although that would probably not be the thing I would lead with personally. Um, hopefully we can just learn to be a little bit more uh, supportive of each other. But I think advocating, speaking up, uh, you know, there are laws in place that say organizations of a certain threshold are supposed to allocate time and space for this. So actually advocating for what that time and space looks like is going to be very important um, because otherwise... Um, we definitely heard in our interviews, employers run the gamut of what that ends up looking like. Is it a broom closet or is it like a brand new room with pumps in there and outlets and dimmed lighting that's very calm and comfortable? Um, yeah, it, it really can vary a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that these are great suggestions and just getting the wheels turning so that people have a narrative to start normalizing this conversation, I think is so important, mm -hmm. both for employees and for leaders uh, and, and female leaders as well that uh, may have gone through similar uh, sorts of circumstances and would like to be able to support, but don't know how to advocate to the people senior to them. Right. Um, I think that this is, you know, uh, definitely groundbreaking work and I'm really excited that you're doing it. Um, so to kind of send us home uh, in the last couple minutes here, is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about where they can find your work or any tips, tricks, or anything else that you want to plug before we move into our final fun question? Sure. Yeah. So like I said, we've written this Harvard Business Review piece that I think is really accessible. I'll definitely provide you all a link so we can share it. Um, and you can also find me on uh, the Twitter. I'm not very good at it, uh, but it's uh, Prof A.S. Gabriel. Uh, <laughs> and I'm on there talking uh Lately, it's been a lot about like cute animals and weird food cravings, but the other half of the time, it's about, um, you know, my research or related research to these very issues. And so what myself and my doctoral students, and my collaborators, we're doing a lot of research around women's issues right now. So like I said, we have these different breastfeeding studies. We do have menstruation and uh, research related to that in the past. And we're also starting to uh, segue into women's experiences of sexism and harassment in a variety of contexts. Uh, and so we are constantly, uh, well, A, looking for people to be in these studies. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I actually feel like I have some experiences that I would love to share in a research domain to be part of this dialogue. Um, we're always looking for people that are interested to share their stories and be a part of this. Um, and then we always link to relevant research that's relating to the work that we're doing. If it's not ours, we love highlighting other, you know, awesome women and researchers in the field who are doing this work. So that's largely where you can find me these days. <laughs> 
Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you again. And um, we'll definitely link to everything that you send us into the show notes. So go there, listeners, and find out more about what Allie's doing and read up on her HBR article. I mean, there's lots of great information that that she's sharing with us. Um, So the final fun question, and you may have answered this right when you started talking about what you were going to do. If you could have any other job in the world, what would it be? Yeah, so like I, said, I was gonna go to law school. Um, I don't even know why I wanted to do that, to be honest. Like I think I just thought I was good at like writing and memorizing things. That is useless for law school. I don't know why I thought I'd be very good at it. Now that I say that out loud, um, but there were. I guess the more fun answer to this was that when I was in middle school and high school, I was actually. Uh, training to major in musical theater. So Mm. I was in private voice lessons from the time I was in seventh or eighth grade all the way up through high school and sang competitively across like singing competitions and stuff all throughout Pennsylvania. Wow. That's what I thought. Yeah. So that's what I thought I was going to do for a while um, until my parents were like, well, we love you, but let's have a backup plan. (laughs) (laughs) Which I appreciate now. Like now it's all totally fine. But that's kind of the running joke of why I like teaching the like massively large lectures here at University of Arizona that it like goes all the way back to my theater roots and it doesn't bother me to be like on a mic making like a slight clown of myself twice a week uh, (laughs) in front of like 500 students. Yeah. So the boring answer is, is I would be a lawyer. But the fun answer is I probably would be like living in a box somewhere in New York, trying to (laughs) sing or perform in some capacity. So kudos to all those people who go for it and do it. I think that's awesome. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, I would love to hear you sing at some point because I did not know this about you. Um, You don't have to do it here, but I'm going to, I'm going to force you to do it. Maybe at a conference one day. (laughs) Um, That could be fun or disastrous. It has been a while. I mean, it sounds fun to me. We'll go to a party first, have a few drinks, and then you'll warm up. It'll be fine. Um, (laughs) But but I do think that you getting into this field has been so great for the field since you've been doing such great work innovative work so I am glad that you are not on Broadway but you are here talking to us about your really exciting research so thank you so much for joining us oh thank you so much for having me and for uh, letting me highlight some of the work that we're doing we're really excited about it well thanks Thank you so much for listening to the show. We were so pleased to talk to Allie. She's doing great research and we love and support everything that she's working on. So we hope that you check out the links in bio to learn more about her. We have a link to her website, um, her LinkedIn, and some of the articles that she was referring to. So please check it out. And we'd also love to hear from you. So reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts, your experiences. If you have any questions, you can find us at workerbeing.com. You can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com and you can find us on social social media at workerbeing on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thank you. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. 